divine Miss Phryne Fisher, the unflappable 1920s femme fatale detective of the Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries television series and two movies, is a sexy, sassy and singularly modish modern woman with green eyes, a lulu bob and a penchant for white peaches and green chartreuse. She's the adventurous fictional character emanating from the pen of author and solicitor Kerry Greenwood, who is also an embroiderer. However, in this episode, I'd like to focus on the costumes created for this delightfully glamorous, thoroughly modern, independent character, along with her supporting cast members and the embroidery and embellishments used by costume designer Marion Boyce. Because even though Phryne is a fictional character... The outfits she wears in both the television series and the movies have to support that character and be functional for actress Essie Davis to wear. Which makes the costume design very, very interesting and worth further investigation. Plus, it's fascinating to be offered a glimpse into Marion Boyce's world of collecting and reusing glamorous, exotic or simply everyday fabrics and garments that give nothing but pleasure to the discerning viewer. So, let's see what can be uncovered in this behind-the-scenes adventure into costume design for television and movies and... Proudly Australian at that. Hello and welcome to the Stitch Safari podcast, a sprightly and upbeat expedition into the alluringly appealing ambrosial world of stitch history, art and embroidery. Each fortnight, we'll trek through and discover the utilitarian, the decorative, the quirky and the just plain fun world that is the art of the needle. My name's Kathy Jack Copeland and I'm the Stitch Safari Expedition Leader. I'm an Australian textile artist, teacher, judge, blogger and stitch enthusiast whose work in contemporary machine stitch became my business. Distinguished Professor Deborah Nadulman Landis writes this in the introduction to her 2012 film craft book on costume design. The first is to support the narrative by creating authentic characters, and the second is composition to provide balance within the frame by using colour, texture, and silhouette. So the costume becomes the actor's skin, helping them become the character the storyline requires, while the garments become the visual language. Landis continues, The subtleties of the costume design are well beyond the cut of a period sleeve. They reach into the very soul of the character. And so they do, embodying the physical, physiological, social and emotional conditions of the character. And that's what we, the audience, are then able to identify with. 
Fashions in the late 1920s and early 30s were imbued with a sense of lushness and drama rarely matched since, except perhaps on the steps of the Met Gala Ball. Fabrics either fluttered and sparkled or attracted light into their textural pile. Fluidity and movement was what it was all about, often achieved with weights or buttons to encourage that sway and slap of the fabric around elegantly stockinged calves and ankles. This luxuriant, sporty look had definite masculine undertones, from the coats to the afternoon uh, afternoon tea frocks, where people made the effort to dress for every occasion. Our heroine Phryne is glamorous, physically daring and dismissive of social conventions, allowing costume designer Marion Boyce a great deal of freedom to use bold colour schemes to create a colour palette for each episode, which also flow through to the outfits worn by the supporting cast. Boyce won Best Costume Design at the 2014 AACTA Awards for Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries and again in 2015 for another wonderful Australian movie, The Dressmaker, starring Kate Winslet and our wonderful Judy Davis. Boyce is an internationally renowned costume designer in both film and television, having studied fashion and design at RMIT in Melbourne, with credits to her name including Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, Halloween, Prisoner, Noah's Ark, Moby Dick, The Starter Wife, and, of course, the fabulous Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries. A stickler for the authenticity, Boyce loves the 1920s and was able to create for Fine Phryne's 150-odd outfits an air of luxurious yet effortless elegance drawing upon her own personal collection. Fur, feathers and hats abound in the Miss Fisher murder mysteries. And creating costumes for the series triggered Boyce to research the post-depression era, looking at the art and paintings, the galleries and architecture and the way people lived. This uncovered interesting facts such as the way people walked back then, their smaller bodies as well as the different social mores of the time. As garments from that time didn't have darts, to create that swing with fine uh, diaphanous fabrics, boys had to use decoration to add weight or insert triangular pieces of material to create flair, including numerous panels or uh, use bias cutting. A lover of textiles, Boyce looked at fabric for its movement and drape, sourcing fabrics from Italy, China, Hong Kong and India, and second-hand shops along the way as well, uh, also receiving generous donations. Costumes could take up to eight weeks to create just to achieve the right look. Some original 1920s and 30s accessories, such as handbags, belts, jewellery, coats and jackets, were used in the series. The rest had to be made, because let's not forget, the originals are nearly 100 years old now. They're delicate, damaged, tarnished or simply the wrong size. 
Boyce also designed the handbags around Phryne's gun to ensure that Phryne's alter ego, Essie Davis, could easily access the prop when required. So, without any further ado, let's see what we can uncover from some of the outstanding embroidered garments made for this iconic television series. And I have to uh, say, stunning garments at that. Death at Victoria Dock, Season 1, Episode 4. And Franny goes undercover to find a Russian anarchist wearing a black coat with wide floral embroidery bordering the edges as well as along the sleeves. Teamed with a black skirt and furred Russian-style Yushanka, a fur hat. Reminiscent of a men's-style smoking jacket, this fitted black jacket is nipped at the waist with a small belt, with the bands of red floral embroidery creating a vivid contrast and balance to the garment. It's elegantly simple and beautiful. Raisins and Almonds, Season 1, Episode 5 Franny pairs a stunning black and white embroidered piano shawl over a comfortable white shirt and pants. A piano shawl was used in Victorian times to protect the surfaces of pianos and was seen as sophisticated displays of wealth. They were large rectangles of fabric, usually silk, often featuring elaborate embroidered scenes of nature and floral designs, as well as long fringes, often knotted at the borders to help the shawl drape over the piano. The beautifully elegant shawl Franny wears has a silk fringe that's over a foot long and I have to say Essie Davis manages it so well on screen. Ruddy Gore Season 1 Episode 6 features the Silver Lady Dress, an asymmetrical gown voice designed specifically from a passage in Kerry Greenwood's book where Phryne is described as a silver lady with wings. Boyce bought the fabric in the garment district of Hong Kong and used a net base with silver embroidery and glass beading to create an eye-catching array of black beaded flowers and silver leaves. Again from the Ruddy Gore episode... Phryne dons a royal blue kimono with embroidered cranes along the shoulders and intricate depictions of branches and pale pink flowers along the edge. It's closed by two large frog closures and covers a pink silk camisole and matching pants. This highlights the frequent use of Japanese and Chinese textiles and garments featured in early international expositions where kimonos became all the rage, seeing 1920s women wearing them as luxurious robes and loungewear. Some were even unstitched and remade into new dresses. Queen of the Flowers, Season 1, Episode 9, shows Boyce's clever use of the luxurious wine-coloured silk sari fabric with ornate golden uh, brocade, cleverly reused along the hem and on the cuffs. The brocade includes small blue and red flowers surrounded by a golden leaf repeating pattern bordered by a straight line with alternating blue and red crosses with golden floral motives in between. 
The brocade is seen used across the top of the camisole style top and finishes the bottom edge of the skirt. Five fabric brocade covered buttons are used on each lapel and the back of the jacket shows off more of the intricate golden brocade pattern. It's a stunning use of an equally stunning fabric and it suits Phryne perfectly. The same episode sees the appearance of another of Phryne's familiar kimonos, this time in brown and pink, covered in exquisite embroidery, white fluttering doves, large trees and blooms of red and orange thread. The deep, rich walnut brown features a contrasting light pink for the lapels and lining. The use of Japanese kimonos is totally in keeping with an interest in garments made from Japanese fabrics from the late 19th century onwards. And one of my personal favourites from the same series is a full-length coat in black silk covered with intricate white embroidery using different types and sizes of flowers. Designer Marion Boyce found this original 1920s bridge coat, also known as a pea coat, in a second-hand store in China. It was part of her personal collection before she donated it to the show. Boyce notes this in the Miss Fisher costume exhibition catalogue of 2014. Chinoiserie in the 1920s was quite enormous and very much part of the 20s and really after the Chinese closed their trading borders that was the last time so I felt it was a really important part of history. A beautifully fitted white hat with black trim complements the outfit perfectly picking up the white added by the costume team to the ends of each sleeve. However, Franny also wears a very similar second outfit in this episode, also featuring white embroidery on a black ground, only this time the jacket is short and the embroidery is a repeating scene with flowers and cranes along with a Greek key design. The accessories included a matching black handbag, also embroidered with white cranes and floral designs to complete the ensemble. Death by Misadventure, Season 1, Episode 10, sees Phryne wearing a pink pyjama set teamed with a stunning black embroidered kimono. Now, this is what's fascinating. Boyce sourced a tablecloth from a second-hand store and made it into a delightful pink pyjama confection, incorporating the gorgeous embroidery already on the cloth into the design of the pants and the long-style pyjama top. Now, that's clever. The eye-catching black kimono covering the pyjama set is embroidered with branches of flowers and a large motive of two fighting roosters featured on the back. Essie Davis acknowledges this kimono as her favourite. I love the simplicity and the extraordinary detail of this beautiful black satin dressing gown, she says. On the back are these two embroidered fighting cocks. I think it's the most perfectly tongue-in-cheek piece of costume and I love putting it on because I love the idea that there are fighting cocks. This ensemble is memorable for its use of the feminine pink contrasted by the dramatic black satin and colourful silk embroidery.
Murder in the Dark, Season 1, Episode 12, sees Frining wearing a bright red Chinese Chong Sam featuring white spiral embroidery details. She matches this with glittery T-strap heels and a white faux fur wrap. The Chong Sam originated in 1920s Shanghai and became a fashion phenomenon for the iconic modern Chinese woman and women worldwide. The gown has the typical standing mandarin collar, small cap sleeves and asymmetrical fastening by the shoulder, all outlined in matching red piping and uses two decorative red cord frog closures. The seven white embroidered feather-like scroll motives set with small gems near the stem decorate the front of the dress and is mimicked in a swooping jewelled hair slide. The final scene of the first series sees Franny finally having dinner with Inspector Jack Robinson wearing the tarnished net dress featuring antique buckles to fasten the front of the gown. Black net is embroidered with a burnished gold floral embroidered design edged with a burnished gold lace border. So not only is the Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries highly recommended viewing, it's also a reflection of our very own fashion and embroidery history. Embroidery was often front and centre of coats, shirts, dresses, bags, shoes, nightwear and lingerie and was seen as an important component of the overall ensemble. And while Franny's character is confident and elegant, so too is Boyce's costume design, pairing that unflappable 1920s modern woman style perfectly with the needs of the actress wearing them, the beautiful Essie Davis. And let's not forget the men of this era who were extraordinarily handsome, wearing suits that gave them a very triangular shape of broad shoulders shaved down to narrow hips, giving a sense of strength and power, the perfect foil for our adventurous, very feminine heroine. And I think Boyce's greatest success is how she moulded the luxury and elegance of the 1920s using finds of modern day fabrics or repurposing older fabrics to create a very believable world of the independent, wealthy, modern woman along with all her friends and associates. Whether Franny's up in a plane or performing in a circus ring. Her costumes are spot on, allowing her to actively perform her sleuthing, all the while giving pleasure to an adoring viewing public. I hope Kerry Greenwood's writing another series. Thank you for listening and thank you for your time. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have in presenting it to you. But there's more to come in 2022, so do stay tuned and subscribe. Stitch Safari's now reached over 7,500 downloads, and that's all thanks to you. It's also been mentioned as one of the 20 best embroidery podcasts of 2021 by Welp magazine and listed in the top five textile industry podcasts as at January 2022 by Feedspot. And I'm extremely grateful.
Please leave a message and subscribe to the Stitch Safari podcast. There's just so much more to discover and it's all so fascinating. I do post interesting tidbits on Instagram and Facebook from time to time, as well as book reviews and a blog on the Stitch Safari website. So do head on over. Till the next exciting episode of Stitch Safari and our next inspiring adventure into stitch, embroidery and design. Bye for now.